the harder you try, your spiritual growth and your maturity spiritually hinges on your ability to do the right things. They're all connected. It's like the reason why I'm not free from sin is because I don't care enough or it's because I'm not trying hard enough or because I don't have enough accountability. This whole sort of concoction of beliefs about God has become one giant idol that is keeping believers in bondage. Thanks for tuning in to the Braveheart Podcast. Listen, I got some good news for you. We have a new resource We're calling it the Three Reasons PDF. You can go to our website, BraveheartMinistries.org, and you can download it for free. Listen, guys, it's the three reasons most people don't have a deeper connection with God. And this week's episode is going to focus on reason number one. Spoiler alert. The reason most people don't have a deeper connection with God, I believe, and I know this is a bold statement, is because we are believing lies about what he's really like. We have false views of God. And so this week's episode, we are going to talk about when our thoughts become idols. Hope you enjoy. Make sure you let us know what you think. You can email us at info at braveheartministries.org. Love you guys. All right, all right. Well, welcome again to this week's episode, When Your Thoughts Become Idols, the last couple weeks been talking about overcoming insecurity, the fear of man. Uh, And guys, we're going to go right for the jugular this week. Um, We are going to examine the thoughts we have about God that are keeping us in bondage. Now, listen, this is going to get real. It's going to get raw. Um, And and just just to kick us off from a personal note, from a heart level, I, I think one of the reasons I am most passionate about this subject um, is because I, for years of my life, believed so many lies about what God was really like for one reason or another. We're not going to play the blame game today. We're not going to get into where, you know, where you learned that and will you need to, you know, make sure you go and tell them that they taught you wrong None of that. God is awesome, and he uses all things to work together for our good if we'll just trust him and we're willing to repent uh, and to turn the other way, to, to change our mind about those things that we believe about him that are keeping us in bondage. And so um, we're going to dive into it. Um, I, I believed so many lies growing up as a, as a boy. I grew up in the church, uh, the Bible church here in Dallas, Texas. Um, and the reason why I will never play the blame game is because I, I, you know, if you were to ask me to, to weigh out on a scale, the good and the bad that I got from my upbringing, the good would so far outweigh the bad. It's not even funny. And so, you know, every, you know, every generation, every people of faith, no one's trying, you know, granted there's a few, you know, maybe a few that are trying to deceive people, but for the most part, what I grew up around, genuine lovers of God, um, and, and, and though they may have not had the full picture, they were faithful what they were given. And I honor my upbringing and, and, and my parents raising me in the Lord is incredible. Um, and, and saying that, um, there were beliefs that I formed, uh, 
probably just because I formed them. Again, I haven't spent too much time where they came from, and I don't really think it's important. So to sort of set the stage for today, I don't want you to spend too much time trying to assess where these beliefs came from. I want to give you some, hopefully, some tools and some handles to identify if you have some false beliefs um, and how they may impact your relationship with God. Um, You guys know that my heart um, is to ignite passion in you through simple resources like our podcast, like our books, like our video course, uh, video courses, um, so that you can find confidence with God and courage to transform the world. That's our heart at Braveheart Ministries. Um, And so I require you, if you're going to listen to this, you're going to need to get real. None of this fake stuff, putting on a mask, pretending that, oh, I don't believe that. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give us some real litmus test today, real substantive litmus test to see whether or not we're believing lies about God. And all I ask is that you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart um, and to speak to you and to confront maybe some thoughts and some beliefs that have been erected in your heart that have become idols, that have become ways that you relate to God um, that have nothing to do with God. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that may seem like a, like a strong thought, like a, like a harsh thought that our thoughts could become idols. Um, but I can explain it this way. Um, you know, there's people that in myself included, I'll just start with me. I grew up just practically, I'll share my heart. I grew up believing that, that, that if I sinned, the first response of God was that he was angry with me. Now, I know now as a, as a believer in, 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 in the last, you know, decade plus of just pressing into the scriptures, I know what, what was happening in my heart. But at the time, the realest thing in my heart was if I sinned, and I've shared my testimony so many times publicly, and so I just use this as, a, as just one example um, but when I was in my, my, my late teens, early 20s, I struggled with a, a pornography addiction. And I remember, it, you know, early on in that struggle, I, I knew it was wrong. And I, and I believed that the moment I sinned and messed up, that God was frustrated. And I heard thoughts like, you should know better by now. And so instinctively, what I did was I, I pulled away from God. Now, for me, what that looked like was I, I didn't have my quiet time for about two days. Um, I, I just kind of like I kind of just hid from God, if you will. If, if, you know, in my mind, like Adam and Eve, you, you think you can hide from God. You can't. But you do. You, you pull back. You, you, you think, OK, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk to God. I'm going to let just some time go by, at least if you were like me. Because I know he's frustrated. I know he's angry. And I had enough belief in the goodness of God and the mercy of God that if I just let maybe a day or two go by, I could repent and say, I'm sorry. Um, And I could ask God to forgive me and then I could move on. Um, You know, and so it, it was funny. It was like it didn't. I remember having the thought, like, I wonder why I can't just repent like the next moment. Uh, like if I fell and, and looked at something I shouldn't have looked at, like I had the thought like, well, why can't I just repent right now? Like I hated that I did it. Like I even felt I felt in bondage doing it. I felt like I'm a slave to it. And I remember feeling like, well, that wouldn't be genuine. That would be disingenuous um, because surely 
uh, I, you know, I got to let some time go by for my apology to God or my, my asking of forgiveness for it to be authentic. And so in a, in a subtle way, I believed I had to make up for my sin. I, I believed I had to dig myself out of a hole. And for me, for some people, it can be reading the Bible. It can be praying. It can be going to church. For me, it was just letting some time go by. That was sort of my penance was I'm going to let some time go by. I'm going to kind of search my heart. I'm going to kind of almost, almost beat myself up a little bit, kind of tell myself kind of what a, you know, what a bad, you know, person I am and, and sort of chastise myself. And once I did that, once I really kind of told myself that, Hey, you really screwed up here. And because of that, you cannot enjoy fellowship with God the next two days. Um, once that goes by, I felt a little bit more comfortable going to God and saying, God, look, I'm sorry. I hate that I do that. Can you, can you help me? Can you forgive me? Um, and, and, and that was really a cycle that I lived for years and years and years of my life. And there were two things, I guess you could say two idols, um, that I had formed, uh, about God. And what was so devastating about these idols is I actually believed they were God. I believed two things. Number one, I believed that God was not able to deliver me from sin completely. Okay. So I believed that about God. Now, because I believed that about God, guess what? I did not experience freedom from sin. Okay. This is how powerful and how important it is that we examine and allow the Holy Spirit to search the thoughts and the beliefs that have been erected in our hearts uh, that, that become idols. And they're idols only when they're false beliefs about the nature of God or something that doesn't line up with his true character and his true nature. And you say, Peter, that's, that's strong to call something an idol. Well, listen, in the olden days, back in Bible times, they had idols of wood and stone and, and all these, you know, man-carved things. Man would carve these images to look like man, to look like animals, and they would pray to them and they would relate to God through these idols. They thought God is represented in this idol. And it's no different. Your beliefs are no different. And I think I think idol worship and, and, and idolism... Um, idolatry, I guess you could say, not idolism. Idolatry is very alive in the church uh, because when a believer forms a belief about God that is not true, it becomes an idol because that person begins to relate to God based on that belief, even if it's not true, even if it's not connected to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It doesn't reflect his nature, doesn't reflect his person, doesn't reflect who he revealed himself to be. Um, and these are the areas I want to highlight. And so, guys, I, I realize this is kind of can be a touchy subject. Um, it can feel vulnerable. Um, a lot of our beliefs about God come from our tradition, come from our denomination, come from our mom and dad. And we feel that if we were to repent or reject the beliefs about God, that we would have to reject our families. We'd have to reject our upbringing. And that's just not true. And so um, I just want to dispel that myth right now that I'm asking anyone to sort of you know, reject where they came from or, or break any of that up. I, I think, I think God can redeem all things, no matter how, you know, good or how hard your upbringing was. And so 
it, it requires humility and it requires us being willing to examine our beliefs. Now, how do you know if you're believing lies about God? This is a big question. How do you know? Because uh, I don't want you guys to go on this deep search and go, well, what do you know? How do I know? Um, I would say this. I would say, and, I, and I've, I've shared this in other teachings, but I would say there are three inseparable fruits that we were meant to have as believers. And I don't have time on this podcast to get into that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these three fruits that I believe we're supposed to have. Um, I believe we're supposed to have peace, a real peace. What do you mean peace? Define it for me. I'm talking about the peace from having been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. You have peace with God. You experience peace because of your nearness to God, because of the blood of Jesus, in spite of weakness, in spite of shortcomings, in spite of sin habits and sin struggles, you live with a constant dominating sense of peace. You have peace with God. Uh, you, you, do not, you do not wake up and question whether or not you're right with God. I want to tell you guys, for the last 13, 14 years of my life, uh, for probably 99% of every day uh, for the last 13 years, I have experienced peace with God. I, I haven't known a day without peace. Um, it's not to say I haven't known trials. It's not to say I haven't known, you know, struggles with unbelief. It's not to say I haven't had struggles with apathy. But I'm telling you, there has been a constant sense of peace that has dominated my heart by the grace of God uh, ever since uh, I, I've been born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so peace, if, if you do not live with peace, if you have anxiety, if you are unsure of where you stand before God, if you lack confidence in your relationship with him, if it's difficult, you feel numb or apathetic and you don't have peace in your heart, there is a good chance you are believing lies about what God's really like. Number two, the, the number two fruit I want you to look for is power. I believe every born again believer uh, is given power by the Holy Spirit. Power. What do you mean power? Define power, Peter. Are you talking about signs and wonders? I'm not I'm not talking about signs and wonders only. I'm primarily talking about power, the power of the Holy Spirit producing the fruit of the Spirit, giving you power over sin. You do not feel like a victim of sin. You do not talk about sin or the devil or the world as if it has more power than God. Okay? So if, if you have been talking about what's happening in this world the conspiracy theories, the COVID crisis, the, the, the racial uh, tensions in our nation, which are real. All of these problems are real. I'm not denying them. Uh, I'm, not, I, I, I'm simply not giving them a place of power in my heart. I'm not going to ascribe greater power to COVID, racial inequality, racial injustice, poverty, economic downturn. Uh, division. I will not glorify or celebrate or exalt the work of the devil to a place of power where I am discouraged, I am shaken, I am beat down. Uh, the believer has a sense and an awareness of the power of God, that God is on his throne, that he reigns above it all, and you do not have to be troubled. 
And so if, my friends, you are not aware of the power of God, if you feel powerless, if you struggle with a victim mindset, if you struggle with the thought that, you know, this world is going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing you can do and you're struggling with fear, you may, believe, you may be believing lies about what God is like. The final fruit that I want you to look for, and again, this is a, this is a substantive litmus test on whether or not you are believing rightly about who God is, okay? And I can go into this later, but, but suffice it to say, you should have peace, power, and the final, the final fruit I want you to look for and ask the Holy Spirit is purity. What do you mean purity? Are you talking about sexual purity? Yes, but I'm talking about purity in every area of your life, in your motives, purity in your pursuits, purity in your relationships, purity in your conduct, purity in your walk. Are you the same person on Sunday morning as you are Monday morning? Do you have purity? Do you have integrity? If not, you may be believing lies about what God is like. And so you say, Peter, that's pretty, that's pretty audacious of you to boil the Christian life down to three fruits. It is, and I have reason for it. And, and those of you who know me know that, that it is a deep passion of my heart to explain that. Um, in a sidebar, I'm, I'm actually working on a project right now that will hopefully bring light to that. Why I believe those are the three dominating fruits that Jesus Christ intended his church to have. Can you imagine the church unifying around that, the substance of Christ, peace, power, and purity? What if, what if that was our aim? What if the expressions of our faith gave way to the substance of Christ and that we unified around the nature of Christ in peace, in power, and in purity? Instead of allowing small doctrinal differences to divide us and to cause us to, to backbite and question each other's motives, what if we gathered and rallied around this pursuit to walk like Jesus in peace, in power, and in purity? And that really is my heart. But to do that, I believe we have to confront the idols in our lives. And so if you were to ask me, hey, Peter, okay, I, I hear you can say there's idols, and, and maybe you find yourself and you go, all right, I, I don't live with peace all the time. I don't feel like I'm powerful all the time, that I have power over sin. I don't feel like I'm pure in every area of my life. So, so what, what are the idols? Define them. I'm going to do my best. And I, as I was praying through this, this podcast and as I was seeking the Lord, um, it's difficult. These are difficult to define. So I want to I want to more give you some, some more examples. I can maybe define it by example. I think that will be easier. Um, some samples of beliefs that you may relate to. Um, some beliefs that I have had personally that kept me in bondage for years. And I mentioned them. Um, but if you were to ask me, Peter, what, what would you say are the top two, the top two idols um, I would say I would say very similar to what I struggled with. Number one is that God is not powerful enough for my personal sin, that he is not able to completely deliver me from sin apart from some some like 
apart from my work, apart from, you know, me being able to read my Bible enough and pray enough and fast enough and share my faith enough, like God is not able to deliver us completely from sin apart from me adding to his work. Now, we think salvation from sin uh, is, is somehow connected to us. And so that's number one. The number one idol is that, is that God's not big enough for my weakness and my brokenness. And I would say the, the idol number two is connected to that is how God responds to us if we sin. Now, those of you who know me, there's a reason I say if, um, because the Bible is very clear. It says if we sin, not when we sin. Um, and that's in 1 John, uh, talks about that. And I'm going to get into that here in a minute. And so, and so listen, so, so the belief that God is frustrated with you and, and thinks that you should know better by now, um, that, that is a common one. I talk to a lot of people. I counsel a lot of people, and this is very common. This, this goes back to the fall of man, guys. This is not new. This is not revelatory. Adam and Eve from the get-go with the knowledge of good and evil, they, they deemed themselves unworthy of God's love because, of, because they screwed up. They judged them, their nakedness evil, and they hid from God. And, and mankind has been doing it ever since. And so this is why it's such a big problem is because it, it goes, it's as old as the hills. Um, if you screw up as a believer and you maybe gossip or you maybe get angry or fearful or you get drunk or, or, or you lust after a woman or a man in a way that you know is not right, um, and you are struggling with this sin. Now, let me, let me put a caveat here because I want to be real clear. I'm speaking to believers struggling against sin who don't want to sin. There is a, I believe, a group of people that, that want to claim the grace of God and claim identity in Christ, but they're just continuing in sin with no regard for, uh, for Jesus. Those people are deceived, and I'm not speaking to them. Uh, because their their hearts are seared with an evil conscience. They, they're trying to justify their flesh and their sinful behavior under the guise of, well, you know, I'm, I'm righteous and I'm born again. No, if you're manifesting sin and you don't have, and it doesn't prick your conscience and you don't care, you need some help and you need to repent. And, uh, and so I'm not, I'm not necessarily speaking to that crowd. I'm speaking to the crowd um, that, that is struggling against sin. Um, and you may say, well, Peter, how do you know if I keep doing it? Am I struggling with it? Here's how you know. You know you're struggling with it if you hate it and you don't want it and you would give anything to get free from it. Like the thought of being completely free from lust or, or whatever, your other, whatever sin you're wrestling with, the thought of getting free from that excites you and you think, man, that's all I want in the world. That's, that's how I, that's my kind of my, my litmus test um, there. And so uh, hopefully that's super clear. Um, but as I was saying, the, the, the thought and belief that he's frustrated and disappointed with you, what that will do is that will cause you to hide from God. If God's first reaction to you, if you sin as a believer is, I'm mad, with, I'm mad at you, I can't believe you do that, you did that, um, you're not going to have connection with God. You're, you're, you're going to actually pull away from the one thing that can help you overcome that sin and that brokenness. Um, and along that same lines is the belief that, that the harder you try, your spiritual growth and your maturity spiritually hinges 
on your ability to do the right things. They're all connected. It's like, it's like the reason why I'm not free from sin is because I don't care enough or it's because I'm not trying hard enough or because I don't have enough accountability. And there, this whole sort of concoction of beliefs about God has become one giant idol that is keeping believers in bondage. And so what do we do? If, if that's you, I want to tell you, if you believe that God cannot deliver you from sin and that, and that he's always frustrated and angry with you, I'm going to invite you to simply repent. Now, before I do that, though, I'm going to present you with some, some scriptures in the word of God, because, because I'm not, uh, you know, you can't repent without seeing Jesus and without, without hearing his word. Um, I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to let the word of God speak to you and to really test. Does that believe, does that belief that you have in your heart, no matter how many people hold it, no matter how many people believe it, no matter how holy it seems, does that belief hold up to the truth of scripture and to the nature of Jesus? And so I want you guys to, uh, I'm going to present just maybe four scriptures to you. Um, and so you can go with me there. John three sixteen. Number one, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So my question to you is, when you were in the world, you believed that God loved you even while you were a sinner. The second scripture, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. The question you have to ask yourself is, if I sin today as a believer, does God still love me 100%? Have I disappointed him? Have I frustrated him? Now listen, does sin grieve the heart of God? Yes. Is he mad at you? No. Okay, Does it grieve his heart? Yes. Why? Because it deceives you and blinds you to believing and experience the love of God and the mercy of God, which is the only thing that can set your heart free from sin and death. And so God demonstrated his love for you, for you, the one listening to this podcast. He demonstrated his love for you while you were sinning against him, while you were doing the thing that he hates that you now hate, um, while you were rejecting God, while you were running from him, while you were being an offense to him, while you deserve death, it was in that moment in your weakest, most broken, vulnerable, ugly state that God said, I love you. And he didn't just say, I love you. He proved his love. How? By shedding his own blood for you. This tells me that God is not afraid of your sin. He's not ashamed of your sin. He has taken your sin upon himself and he's paid a high price for it. Okay. And so I believe, I fundamentally believe that those two scriptures, John three sixteen, Romans 5, 8, we, we love those scriptures as, as new believers because they were like balm to our soul. They were like, yes, I've been in sin, I've been in brokenness, and God loved me. And you probably heard those scriptures being preached to you uh, to, to, maybe, to maybe bring you to Christ for the first time. 
But the real problem lies with us as believers, and you've been a believer maybe for for some years, and you believe the lie, you should know better by now. I can't believe you're still struggling with this. Peter, son, daughter, you should know better by now. And you begin to question your own heart and your own motives because you're still struggling with the same things. And, and this is really where I want to present to you, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to give you two scriptures. Number one, you can turn with me there in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 14. Read this with me. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Oh, don't, don't, don't let go of your proclamation of faith. Don't let go of the profession of your faith. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Watch this, verse 16. Because we have a high priest, because Jesus is in heaven right now, ever interceding on your behalf, listen to this. Let us then approach the throne of grace. With what? With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, friends, Jesus sits on a throne of grace. And if you need help, if you are in need of deliverance and salvation and you are stuck in sin, listen, you have need. God knows you have need. You don't need to hide. You don't need, you can come out of hiding. God knows your struggle. God knows that you're using the, 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 you know, food and alcohol and Netflix and Instagram and lust and pornography and, and impure relationships. He knows you're trying to numb the pain in your heart because maybe you were abused sexually. Maybe you were abused verbally. Maybe you didn't have a good upbringing growing up and you've got real agonizing pain in your heart that you don't know what to do with. And I want to tell you, friends, you have a high priest in heaven and his name is Jesus and your brokenness and your pain does not scare him. And he understands why you are medicating with those things. And all he wants is for you to understand that you can come confidently. You don't have to let two days go by. You don't have to, you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You can approach the throne of grace with confidence right now, no matter what you've done, no matter when you've done it. Why? Because there is a priest in heaven. His name is Jesus Christ, and he has shed his blood for you. He shed his blood so that you could come confidently in your hour of need, so that you could find grace and mercy and help. Friends, this is the call. This is the revelation of Jesus. And you say, but Peter, I, I have a hard time believing that God wants me to come to him in my sin, in my brokenness. Well, I'm going to read one more scripture to you, and then I'm going to pray for you. It's in 1 John. It's in 1 John. And when I saw this, it changed my life. It changed my life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Do you see it? John's saying, I'm writing to you so that you will not sin. For the believer, we have the blessing and the promise 
of not having to be in bondage and enslaved to sin the rest of our lives. We can walk free from sin. The Bible teaches this explicitly. John was writing so that the believers would not sin. But watch this. But if anybody does sin, not when, if, but if anybody does sin, watch this. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. When it comes to the belief in our hearts that if we sin, how does God present himself to us? Does he present himself as angry, as frustrated, as disappointed? Well, what does the Bible say? It says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What is an advocate? An advocate is someone who presents himself as a helper, as a legal defense, saying, Father, look at my son or my daughter. Look at this one who has put their faith in me, who has trusted in my blood to reconcile them. Lord, look at them. And Jesus begins to plead our case with the Father, reminding the Father and reminding us by the Holy Spirit that we belong to him in the new covenant. And so, Father, I just want to pray right now for my friends. And I want to ask, Lord, that if they have believed these things about you, that you are disappointed and frustrated and irritated, God, that they would see you, Jesus, our high priest, advocating for us in our weakness, that you sit on a throne of grace, matchless in beauty, in purity, in holiness. You don't turn a blind eye to sin. Sin produces death. But you took our sin so that in you we could take on the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would clothe every heart, everyone that is, that is bound in shame and guilt and condemnation. Lord, I speak deliverance to their hearts right now, those foul devils that have been lying to them. And I just pray right now, I feel like there's even suicide and depression and anxiety that is the result of spirits, demonic spirits of guilt, shame, and condemnation. And I command them to leave right now. I speak to you and I say, go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you right now and that the love of God would fill your heart. It would fill your room. It would fill your car, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would break that bondage of chain, of lust, of addiction, of brokenness. You would break it off of your life and your heart and your mind would be filled with the smile of God, with the, with the affections of heaven, with the glory of Jesus, the glory of Jesus Christ would fill your heart right now in Jesus name, in Jesus name, God. And God, I pray in place of these idols, in place, in place of these beliefs that Jesus, our Messiah, our glorious high priest and our beautiful holy bridegroom would be erected in the place of these, of these false beliefs that we would, would exalt in you, Holy Spirit, that you would build instead of these false beliefs that, that have nothing to do with you, that have caused us to hide and run from you, that cause us to make you think that you're mad at us or frustrated. Lord, that we would turn from those things and that we would come back to you, Jesus. And that, God, in, in place of these idols, that you would sit on the throne of our hearts, that you would be exalted in our lives, and that you would fill us once again with your peace, your power, and your purity. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>